Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. My name is Corey. And I'm Shauna. And today, uh, we I am drinking a new blood orange Rubio's tea. It's delicious. Again, not the kind of tea you like. It's cool. I like it very much. It's a Trader Joe's fall edition. Um, totally recommend. And I would say, like, I could, I could lie and pretend that I baked homemade cookies and then put caramel and chocolate over them. I didn't do that. I'm just eating a Twix bar out of the Halloween candy bowl. Because it was Halloween and it was fun. A little bit ago. That was great. And we have candy and I love it. So that's what's happening right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should not be ashamed. Thanks. Did you get a left or a right Twix? That's the question. Um, I hope a left. Yeah, left. left Look Twix. at that. It's the way, it's I, like, it's the way I roll. Look at you. I know, right? Look at you. Look at me. So Over here with my uh, left Twix being all cute. And, uh, this week we are talking about prayer. Um, does God answer prayer and, um, or how does all of that work? The idea, the concept of, um, how do we perceive prayer and how, um, does God react to prayer? And this is something yeah. that I'm not sure that we're going to be able to answer whether or not God answers prayer in today's episode. I mean, volumes and volumes and PhDs well, have been written on it. But I think that's why it's interesting, right? Yeah. Like in terms of understanding, like I think some, you know, there's, there's people that believe that God is created it and then he stepped back and has no no interaction with us anymore Mm -hmm. there's other people that believe that god like doesn't do anything unless we ask for it the right way with the right amount of belief Mm. and then there's people world style (laughs) right and then there's other people that don't know and i think i sit in this world of like i know what the bible talks about prayer and i know what the bible says about prayer and i believe in in the quote-unquote power of prayer Mm -hmm. But if you were to press me real hard on, on what I believe within that, I don't know that I would have an answer for you. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, uh, we've, I guess I could say the same, right? If I were pressed to come up with a concise theology on prayer, I think I would say that I believe prayer is effective, um, I believe in the value of prayer, and I have seen evidence that prayer really does change things. And those are sort of very vanilla ways of saying, I'm not God's boss, but he invites me into the conversation. Yeah. And I think that's sort of where I've landed. That um, not just that he invites us into the conversation, but he wants us to converse with him in regards to prayer, right? Like he wants to have us ask for things. Sure. Right? It's not just, well, you can do it if you want to. It's also like, oh, no, no. I want you to to ask of me of things that you want. Well, what does that look like in, yeah. in terms of like, he's God, he can do whatever he wants. Right. So is he motivated by prayer? Is he, you know, again, well, deep, we theological, deep theological, deep theological, I don't know that we're going to answer. We will solve. But, I mean, we can start with 
two things. One, a quote from your beloved C.S. Lewis that says, the essence of a request, and this is in an essay on prayer, the essence of a request as distinct from compulsion is that it may or may not be granted. Mm. Meaning that prayer is, at least in the form of when it's a supplication, it is just a request. And we are we are allowed and invited to make the request, but we're not the bosses. Yeah, and it's it's also um, what I love about that is the essence of a request um, is this idea of compulsion. Compulsion is like, well, I did all the right things, yeah. therefore God must grant my, you know, like the genie in the bottle kind of thing. Yeah. He must grant my, uh, what I have asked of him. And I think that that is something that I have, at least growing up in church, that was something that, that I was, if not taught directly, it was alluded to strongly. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, I remember people that would, would die of cancer or would, or would, um, have terrible things happen to them. Sure. And we would pray for them, pray for them, and then they would pass. And I remember there was almost this guilt of like, well, did you believe enough? Mm. Like, did you have a, did, did you even have a- The faith like m- a mustard seed. Yeah, the faith mm-hmm. like a mustard. Did you even have a mustard seed of doubt in you? Because if you mm-hmm. did, you yeah, know- Yeah, that's on you. That's kind of on you. Yeah. And and there was even testimonies. I remember testimonies growing up of people saying, I I was praying for God's healing and he didn't do it and he didn't do it. And then I realized this because I doubted him just a teeny tiny bit. And that, and then when I got rid of that doubt- then he healed me. I remember testimonies like that. And yeah. just being like, and then, so essentially saying that like, I did all the right things to allow God to to, to compel yeah. him to do uh-huh. as I have requested. Yeah, and that comes back a little bit in my mind to that idea of, we talked a long time ago when, uh, many episodes ago about the Thunderbolt theory and how some of that, um, especially during the Enlightenment period, how some of the like old um, Greek mythology sort of right. wandered its way in. And that's another one of those things where I feel like there's elements of sort of those, those prior theologies bringing itself into the Christian worldview in that the idea is that if you displease the gods, you're going to have hell to pay. Where if you please the gods, then they will give you what you want. And it's it's that chaotic. To me, it's very much anchored in the in the chaotic God idea. He's the their God is malevolent, not benevolent, mm-hmm. right? But God is slightly pissed off and just waiting to strike you down. Or, well, but God is good if you like sort of layer that on top of the chaotic version. It becomes, well, God is a good, good God, but he's also holy. So you, you're only invited to the party if you're extra, super special, good enough. And that's kind of on you to be extra, super special, good enough. Opposed to, no, your family, like he, he knew you, he's invited you. You just have to decide to show up or not show up, but that's not. Yeah. It it reminds me a little bit of like that idea of 
uh, old, uh, just not, not only Norse mythology, but other mythologies where it was like, you had to give a sacrifice to the sure. gods to, to appease them long yeah. enough until the next time. And then you did it and almost in an inverse version of that, where it's like, well, you need to do these things yeah. to, to get God to not knock you down or to, to actually bail you out of this situation because yeah. he would never want to do that for you. But, but. But if you ask hard enough and you yeah. give him the sacrifice, then he'll take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and I, I think some of that comes back to, man, we are living in the middle of a, of a, you know, a year where we can all fully appreciate how maddening it is to not feel a sense of control. And even if that control was fake, um, simply because our lives were predictable and sort of steady, uh, We've lost a lot of that predictability, and so things feel more out of control. But all of us want to do something to give us a sense of control. And so mm. I absolutely, you know, with, you know, I would be hypocritical to to not identify with every other form of theology that says, well, if you do the right things, you'll get the right result, right? I mean... And there's truth in that in our lives, but because I do that, but that's not the point of prayer. And I think that's what right. we're talking about: is like, what is the point of prayer? Not as what is the point of of living a life in line with Christ? If that makes sense, sure. You know, because like that, there is there is good. Like there there are things that God has taught us that by doing them, we are opening up much easier doors. We tell sure. our kids this all the time, right? Like you. You actually can choose to do that other thing over there, yeah. right? Like you can, you know, go out and make different choices in your life. You can sure. go out and 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 hang out with the wrong people, but you are opening up doors yeah. that that you may not be able to close back up, or you mm -hmm. may regret them. So, yeah, you you are choosing the path. Yeah. God's not punishing you for it. But the yeah. results are because of the choices you're Well, making. and sometimes, I mean, we have people in our world who sort of objectively have done absolutely everything right, and they still have horrible outcomes. Yeah. It isn't a one-for-one -one situation. And I think the idea of proximity, um, we talk about it a lot. If you listen to Bread and Cup, you're probably tired of it. But but to me, it is, it is sort of the central tenet of how I view my Christian faith. And it informs the first sort of the first way that I see prayer. Prayer is seeking. Mm. Prayer um, is seeking that relationship with God and allowing him to seek you back out in, in that being open to being sought, maybe. So prayer is seeking. Um, Tim Keller writes in his book, Prayer, Experiencing on Intimacy with God. Um, by the way, if you actually want some answers about this stuff, that would be a great place to start. Um, he, he mentions that the apostle Paul's most frequent prayers, uh, for the other churches with that, they would, would be that they would know God better. So I pulled a couple examples of that. Um, although these are just two of many th right. sprinkled throughout Paul's letters. Uh, the first one is from Philemon. It's verses five and six. It says, I pray you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. So the prayer is for the seeking of of sort of knowledge and understanding of who God is. Let me interrupt you there because yeah. I, I know you have another verse, but like um, oh, no. we'll get that. 
Um, what I think that gets misconstrued in reading some of these things is that we think knowledge means mo- knowing God's motivation. Mm. Like we want to know why oh, did dang. that happen to me, yeah. right? Like why did, and that's what we, when we read something like this, we're like, oh, well seek out God and he'll tell you. So you have full understanding of why this is happening to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually think that that's what this is about. Um, I think that, I, I think that this is understanding the character of God, which is very, very much different than, um, than, than knowing the motive, like knowing motivation and not knowing, like knowing the heart of God behind what he's doing and trusting him and not knowing, well, why'd you do that? And it reminds me of our kids. I know we always come back to our kids, but they're great examples of this because they're dumb. And we're dumb, <laughs> right? Like this is this, our kids aren't actually dumb. No, they're, they are, but they're they're not they're, here. So, um, so and and that's this idea that um, like our kids will come up to us, and I remember they would be like, "Why, why, why do you? T- why can't I? Why can't I go stay up until midnight on a school night?" And you'd be like, and then you have to explain to them, and then they still don't really know why, right? You've explained to them verbatim. Well, you'll be tired in the morning, and this will happen to you, and this will. No, it won't. No, it won't. And they just fight you on that. But it's different when they understand the motivation behind yeah. why you want to do that. If they know, if over time they learn the character of their parents, that their parents yeah. are like, when they say those things, they're not saying those things because they're trying to manipulate them and so they, parents can go down and watch TV by themselves. And it's a little bit of it. But, but, but right, like we yeah. want them to get good sleep because we want what's best for them. We, know we want that we, them to grow and be healthy. And, right. So, yeah, and so when, when, as they get older, they start to embrace the why behind mm-hmm. why we tell them to do those things. Mm-hmm. And it becomes less and less and less of a fight because they trust our motivation. It's yeah. the same thing when we're talking about seeking God in, in prayer. Yeah. Is that we're, we're asking God, teach me your heart in this. Yeah. Teach me teach me why I, I should trust you, yeah. not why you did this, because I yeah. trust what you've done for me. And that's a, yeah. that's a hard thing to do. I, mean, I tend to think about it less in terms of our children, because I know that sometimes my motives are right, well. selfish. And, you know, and, and we do often, we often will tell our children sort of the full scope of why. Um, because I want our kids to learn how to make decisions. Right. And and so what I think of when I think of prayer is seeking the character of God. I think of um, an action movie where there's like the ultimate action star, right? Like the Jason Bourne of it. And in fact, in the first Jason Bourne, right, he borrows the car and he asks her these like rapid fire series, you know, do you maintain it well? And the tires feel a little splashy and does it pull to the right and da, 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 da. And he's just chucking these questions at her and she doesn't know him, but he's saving her life right now. Mm. That's the only context she has is he just saved her life and he's promised her enough money to rescue her from a bad situation. So she he is now her rescuer and he's she answers his questions and she just sits back for the ride. And as they go through there's this point where when you get to I think it's the third movie right when they're second. When the second movie where they're living out like yeah. in Indonesia or something and he says to her, "Okay, we got to pack up and go." And she doesn't even question it. 
She just, yeah, of course, if he says this needs to happen, she's learned enough about who he is and how he operates that she also knows that when he says something that feels sudden or bizarre or maybe wasn't on her agenda for that day, that 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 is a trustworthy statement, even if he can't explain it. Yeah. And, and you know, again, both imperfect examples, um, but maybe Ephesians will help us with that. Um, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called, um, what the riches and the glorious inheritance is. And, And I think that is definitely the more biblical take than Jason Bourne, right? That when you understand, I mean, Jason Bourne is pretty great. He really is. Um, But that. And he shares one of the initials with Jesus Christ. So, you know, well, yeah. Oh, that might be taking it a bit far. (laughs) I mean, even for me, and you know, it's my favorite. Um, But that when you, that, that the idea of prayer as seeking is about seeking the wisdom and the revelation of knowledge that we would understand the hope we have. That we would have a clear picture of that when we, when we go out in prayer, the first thing we're going to get is just a better understanding of who God is and who he says we are and what he, what he says we can, we can trust in. Yeah. So whatever the yes or no of a given prayer is, that's sort of superfluous to the, but you know who I am. And who I say you are, and where we're going in this. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And the other, the other um, kind of second uh, thing that we, when we talk about prayer, we think that prayer brings us is learning and growing. And that kind of yeah. piggybacks on what we were saying before, where it's is. I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but like it really is a is a discipline. Yeah. To the point of, um, and I think, you know, you were talking about this before where uh, you were saying that the we've put on top of this some of this mythology over mm-hmm. time. And we even put in our, our current 21st century, like, viewpoint of what prayer is and how sure. that's been translated. And even, you know, like, over the last hundreds and hundreds of years, this has been happening. Yeah. But if we go back to what the original church did, you look at, like, Jewish tradition Prayer was just something that they did every single day as part of learning the Bible. So like like they would read the Torah and then they would pray about the Torah because it was an opportunity to kind of expand their mind and like really delve into and and I would say to some extent unpack what God was doing or saying to them in the words that they were reading. Yeah, it was a a memorization and so certainly... I would say the modern church uses the Lord's Prayer that way as a piece of memorized scripture that we then use in repetition. And of course, you know, in the liturgical tradition, sometimes the evangelical tradition um, criticizes, well, you're just repeating flat words over and over again. And yet, every time we watch our favorite movie, over every time we sing along with the radio, every time we go back to our favorite book, 
there is something in that repetition that it becomes warm and familiar and you mm. begin to see it and feel it other places. Um, it, it doesn't belong only in the context. I, I mean, you and I, we do this all the time with the old dumb movies. Our kids will sometimes, we'll show them an old, you know, a movie from the 90s that, of course, is anchored firmly to our high school and college years. And our kids will say, we've heard you say that. And for them, they had no idea. Well, you didn't tell me to show them Tommy Boy. They'll be like, Dad, oh my you gosh. get like 90% of your lines <laughs> from this movie. <laughs> right? But, but, but that's exactly it. And I think that that is the value of taking in scripture, memorizing the Bible, and then repeating it over and over again. It isn't that there's some sort of magic in that, you know, in that repetition or in that specific sequence of words, but that when you've seen it so many times, when you've heard your own voice say it so many times, it becomes the natural quotable moment. And you begin to see those themes, places where that, like you can pull it from its original context and you can see those things show up over and over again. Yeah. I like what you have here. You wrote down uh, E.M. Bounds in The Necessity of Prayer says, character and conduct, prayer drives us away from selfishness and unholy action to inward goodness. And I think yeah. that that's, um, and we've talked a lot about like idle hands, like when you're when you're bored, you know, you yeah. do stupid things. Yeah. Same idea here is like when you, when you, when you focus on prayer, yeah. it, it anchors us um, to the things. This is why I think that like the original, like the the Orthodox Church did a lot of they would they would sing, they would read, and then they would pray. Yeah, almost always in that order. And the reason was because those things prepared you for what your mind would be set on, and in, and prayer yeah. kind of helps anchor us in the things that we did prior to that. Yeah, it is. It's an opportunity to, um, to sort of spin out mm. our own experience within it, right? It, we, you and I joke. I'm a verbal processor, so I have a couple girlfriends that that if I'm working through an issue, I will literally call them and say, "Do you have time for me to process this?" And and thankfully, they are also verbal processors. We have had a long relationship. They do the same, and they say, sure. And they'll just give me an hour to let me just ramble. And they'll ask a few thoughtful questions here and there. And usually by the end of that conversation, I have a completely different perspective. And prayer is exactly the same. It's an opportunity for us to take what we think we might understand or not understand about what God is doing or who he says he is or what the Bible is teaching and go before him and sort of just spin it out and, and see, see where we land. The Psalms do this all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and Tim Keller speaks about it. Do you want to read the Tim Keller quote or should I? Oh, you got it. Okay. So I know you love that man. I, well, well, you like I, what he has to say. I, didn't I do. I mean, I don't want to get an email from his wife. Not that she would listen to this <laughs> podcast. But if she Mrs. did. Mrs. Keller. Mrs. Keller. Calm down. <laughs> oh, Lord help us today. Um, okay, so again, in that same book, um, he says, we should lay before God as part of our prayer the reasons why we think that what we ask for is the best thing. Telling guy, God, excuse me, telling God why what we have asked for seems to be the best for us in light of who we know God's own, 
what we know God's own goals to be. That if he is willing to do something different, we know it will be better, and that it is that we really want him to do. Uh, And so that was sort of a long quote. Let me see if I can just capture it. Basically, when we're asking, give our reasons for why we're asking it Mm -hmm. and how we see that being linked to God's character. Mm. And if we can't link it to God's character, I would assert probably good to just set that one aside and ask God to help redirect our hopes, our dreams, our thoughts, our plans. And if we can link it to his character, Pray it as you and I have started. I don't know if we've talked about this on Bread and Cup, but I I literally pray with my hands open in front of me. We pray, and we use it as a phrase, we pray with open hands. And I think that's what Tim Keller is saying, that if God wills something different, we know that whatever God wills is better than what we're asking anyways. And so really what we're asking for is just whatever God's about. Yeah, And that's you and I, I dis- develop the discipline of I don't pray with my hands folded anymore. I, I pray with them sort of out in front of me, almost as if I'm holding a pretty wide tray. Very, very open hands. Like, Lord, these are the things I want. These are the things I'm hoping for. I, I think this is in line with who you are or who you've made me to be or who, who you've made my kids or my family to be. But at the end of the day, the last thing I want is to be in control of this. Because the one who makes the decision is the one who is responsible for the result. And I really just would way rather have God be responsible for the result. Yeah. It's good. The other one uh, we kind of already alluded to a little bit, which is prayer is an act of faith and power. And yeah. I think that... Um, Again, this comes a little bit down. I think it, some of it comes down to the concept of, of discipline. Um, uh, I'll, I'll read Ian Bounds again from The Necessity of Prayer because these are my quotes that I get to pull out. Um, <laughs> prayer, prayer projects faith on God and God on the world. Only God can move mountains, but faith and prayer move God. Um, and I think what I at least get from that is mm-hmm. this idea that um, it is not us saying, God, you can move mountains, now go and do it. Mm. It's saying, God can move mountains, and I and I trust in him that he can and will do that when it when he wants to, yeah. if he wants to. Yeah. And some of the and I think that that um that act of just saying almost out loud or in your head or iterating as you are facing troubling times or you are in great times of like, but God, I still believe and trust in you yeah. is a huge act of faith. It's a reminder to ourselves and it's a reminder to God that, you know what? I still yep. believe and trust in you. Well, and I think there's, this is one of those times where now we're wandering into the places where people can struggle, right? Because that, I, that what E.M. Bounds quotes there, only God can move mountains is from um, it's, it's found in Matthew and Mark, but in Mark 11, 23, 24, Jesus is telling his disciples, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for you. Um, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. And I think that brings us all the way back to the beginning where 
you know, those types of testimonies that you heard, that it's... They got stuck on this and does not doubt in his heart. Yeah, (laughs) or that whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And and people get stuck. Uh, I have gotten stuck on the idea of, well, I've decided that that's what I want and I've prayed it. I'm, you know, therefore I've received it. And I think... You know, if you choose to take that and unilaterally apply that to any type of prayer request, you're missing the whole point because you have to see the other ways that Jesus modeled prayer, the other ways that, you know, the um, the historical text that Jesus was raised on views prayer, and that when we say this, it's not that God is unmoved. God is clearly moved, right? We, we hear that in the story of Lot, and we hear that in the story of David. and we, it, I mean, it's all over that God will do something based on a request a human makes, but that it isn't the point of what we're requesting and what he's doing, mm. but it's that we're in relationship with him, and he desires to help us when he knows whatever's in front of us is too big for us. Jesus is being clearly hyperbolic. Take up this mountain and throw it into the sea. I mean, that's not, he's not being literal. And people are very rare, great orders are very rarely hyperbolic for no reason. Right. And so what is the reason there? I think it's to point us to when we're standing in front of something that we couldn't possibly overcome on our own. That we just remember that God is capable of that. And that when we've reached that point in our faith or in our relationship or in our understanding of God's character, go to him and say, this mountain is too, I can't get my head around how you as a good God could allow kids to be born addicted to drugs. I can't get my head around it. That's one of the ones. I've heard that a lot lately. How could God do that? And and, How could God allow that? I. I don't know. That is a big, big mountain of a problem. Mm. So I'm going to go ahead and take that to him and say, I, I can't get my head around the mountain of yeah. this. Um, but you can. You can get me around this. You can help me understand. You can enlighten my eyes enough that I can get one click closer to, to you and to who you say I am. And I love the C.S. Lewis quote. The reality is doubtless not is doubtless not comprehensible by our faculties. Prayer is not a machine. It is not magic. It is not advice offered to God. No. I think that's great. I love C.S. Lewis. All right, last point um, we want to cover before uh, we. Ha- if you hear our kids in the background, it's because they're very hungry right now. So we're gonna give you our last points, and then we'll we'll kind of wrap up for the day. But um, prayer is worship. Uh, again, C.S. Lewis, prayer without words is the best if one can really achieve it. Yeah. Well, and this is the one, this one I think for me is the hardest. The, the first one's something about our experience or um, just the reading we've done or whatever. I don't struggle with those first three. Prayer as worship, I do. Because mm. to me, it there's prayer and there is worship. Yeah. And I I can tell you that I theologically agree with this idea. I can tell you that I believe it. I would even encourage others to do it. But I don't honestly know what it looks like in my life. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think that when I think to sit down and pray, I think to talk to God, right? To, to mm-hmm. verbalize, emote, if you will, mm-hmm. or whatever to him about what I feel like. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think that the, the concept of, and but the Bible does break these out, this idea of meditation and just mm-hmm. waiting on God is maybe maybe that's what we're talking about. Maybe. In terms of prayer and as a and every form of worship. Quality time love language person out there sighs <laughs> right. with joy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. And I think this is talked about like um when we talked about the Lord's Prayer, right? Mm-hmm. The first part of that is truly just praising God, mm-hmm. you know, acknowledging who God is. Mm-hmm. And there's, there is a prayerfulness with that. I think that I, I, if I was to be transparent, I struggle with that one a lot. I think most of the time when I sit down to pray, I start knocking off a, a request list yeah. or even venting about something that's going on. Yeah. And I think about it even with our, our kids. Like we sit down with... Um, sit down with our son and we pray every night. And when we pray, the first thing he says is, you know, help us have this, help us have this and help Mm -hmm. us have this. Right. And that's kind of how we've been taught to pray, Mm -hmm. but we forget to acknowledge and to, to use prayer as a way to, to praise who God is. Yeah. And to, yeah, I, I think as I'm just sort of sitting here and thinking this through while we're talking, um, I, the idea in my mind is a little bit like you and I in our marriage, right? You are a high words of affirmation person. So you like me to say, I love you out loud in those words. And I make a point. And now it's a habit. I don't have to think about it that much. But when we were newly married, I thought about it. Have I told him I love him at least twice today in those words? I don't have to think about it much anymore. But there's many ways that I tell you that I love you every day. Sometimes when there's lots of chaos going on or, you know, the house has family in it or whatever, it could be that we look up and make eye contact and we sort of smirk at each other about a shared inside joke. Um, or Tommy boy. Tommy boy. Or um, it could be that, you know, we reach over, squeeze a hand quick and let go and we move on yeah. with things. But but those say, I love you in just the same way, um, sort of in an expression. And I wonder if maybe prayer as worship, at least in my life, and I'm thinking, I warned you all, I'm a verbal processor, and I also warned you that this is not my strongest place. But I wonder for me if this doesn't show up in those moments where um, I'm driving down the road in the sunset. I mean, we live where we have this view of the mountains. It's just gorgeous. You can be driving to the grocery store and there's a mountain. And I will stop in those moments and go, wow, Lord, that's really pretty. Thank you for that today. Hmm. And that maybe that's when prayer is worship. It's not in the big, like, I'm going to sit in my prayer closet, although certainly it would be appropriate there. But just that's how I express it hmm. to my husband it would make sense that another significant relationship, I would express it similarly there too. Yeah. Uh, Psalms 141.2 says, May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. I think yeah. that's kind of what you're speaking to, right? Like Maybe. this idea yeah. of like, may the the times, I, I think that in some ways that might also be a, 
um, a directive, I think, to people mm. in terms of prayer. It's not just, God, I want this for my prayers, but to also say, man, as we pray, like it should, it should lift up God. We should, like you're saying, like yeah. acknowledge and see all of the things that you have and the things that he has done for you yeah. and acknowledge that. That little simple bit does make a, a big difference. Yeah. So I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, me too. That's a great place to land. I hope that if you're listening, um, that, that you pray. And I hope that you've been challenged to maybe think about prayer a little differently, that it's maybe a little more accessible than it was before you listened. Um, as always, we would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Uh, you can find us at Bread and Cup Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and you can always find us online at breadandcuppodcast.com. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes. Thank you.